0: Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT
1: and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandtheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys.
0: Welcome to the next episode of JT. And the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And leave us a five star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson for the great introduction. And thank you to our guy, Mike Regina, with the awesome intro music. So let's get right into it. Let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today?
1: I feel good because you didn't forget to introduce me this time. So uh, I'm excited. I'm happy. Thank you for remembering me.
0: You know, I did not forget to introduce you last time. You are just. You just just took too damn long. That was the most
1: drawn out introduction. I feel like you you forgot that's how long you took, but you claim you were getting around to it.
0: We got to build up
1: to that. No, we don't. They know who I am by now. Just say, look, this is JT. Let's just go.
0: You were already rude to me earlier this week with with text messages. So I think you should be a little bit nicer to me. All right. So don't don't be calling me out like that on things that I should not even be called out on because I didn't forget.
1: Attitude reflect reflect leadership anyway. And
0: your name's first on the show.
1: Oh, so you're saying I'm the captain. Okay, cool. I'm captain. So captain says, be quiet. Can we get started? Let's go. Hey, Waiting you on that, you. So. Are you
0: gonna? Let's go. Get going. All right. You're can up we talk first. about
1: Julian Edelman?
0: Yeah, you're up first.
1: All right. So we know Julian Edelman just retired this past Monday. Uh, the former Patriot announced his retirement in a video posted on social media after a 12-year career in the NFL. Now, of course, the hot topic on everybody's mind is: Is he a Hall of Famer or not? I have a feeling this is going to get really heated. So I want to kick this to you first.
0: No way. He he is not. And I say that because that's just my opinion, the way I feel. But if the question is, does he eventually get in? Then my answer is probably yes, because Drew Pearson, JT, waited like decades to get in and eventually got in. (laughs) And because Julian Edelman played for the Patriots during that era of Belichick and Brady and won what three Super Bowls and I know he has all these playoff stats that's why he probably will get in eventually but if you're asking me if he's a hall of famer worthy of the, of the of the jacket I'm going to say no and and I'll tell you why how does he get in in front of these three in front of these players who are not in yet guys such as Reggie Wayne Torrey Holt, Heinz Ward, you go back to the seventies. Cliff Branch is still not in with that
1: Raiders team. I'll give and, you, I'll give you one more. How about Sterling Sharp? And
0: well, with him, his career was cut short, but you're right. I mean, he was a hall of fame type.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, he, he was the Terrell Davis of receivers. I mean, That's if right. you think about it, he was so dominant for a short, short stretch.
0: Right. And to go back to the stats, because you know I'm going to go to the stats to, to, to back up my point. Come on, spit them out. <laughs> he has 6,822 receiving yards. JT, let me go to the list. I just pulled random guys. Like He's so far down the list, I could have picked hundreds of guys in front of him. Dwayne Bo has more yards than him. Chris Chambers, I know you're familiar with him as a Dolphins fan.
1: Well, here's the thing. I feel like the fact that you brought up Chris Chambers and his career stats are anywhere close to Julian Edelman. That should be game over with well, Chris Chambers
0: has more yards. Yeah. I mean, that should
1: be game over. Like Anybody yeah. who has argued about, Oh, <laughs> Julian Edelman's a hall of famer. Just say Chris Chambers has more yards.
0: Mike Wallace has more again, another dolphin guy. And then you want to go back into the back in the day where passing wasn't, you know, as prolific. Ahmad Rashad has more receiving yards. So so then you go to touchdowns. He only has 36 regular season touchdowns. 36, that yeah. is it. That is it. He never had more than seven touchdowns in a season. And the, the 36 touchdowns doesn't crack the top, 20, top 25. Dallas Clark has more. Ricky Pearl has more. Michael Crabtree has more. Are we going to put Michael Crabtree and Ricky Pearl? In the I Hall think of if Fame? Michael
1: Tra- Crabtree got into the Hall of Fame, like the players would have, like a, something to say about that.
0: Uh, well, we definitely know Richard Sherman would. <laughs> so, and and you look, he only had three seasons of over a thousand yards, and he barely got over. So, you look at all those names I listed. If you take away, and I know people are going to argue the rings, but you know what? A lot of guys have rings every year. Fifty three guys win a ring. Does that mean we should automatically put them in the Hall of Fame just because? A guy has multiple rings.
1: Will you say that? Will you agree with this? So funny. Um, uh, one of our friends of the show, also a great comedian, by the way, Ty Sterling, go check him out. He said that uh, Julian Edelman is the Robert Ory of receivers. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, that's
0: or do you great, think he, that's do so you think he's gr- a little
1: bit better than, than Robert Ori?
0: That's a great analogy. I guess what I would say is in the regular season, he's a tad bit better because. New England would at times feature Julian Edelman, where I felt like with the Rockets, the Spurs, the Lakers, Robert Horry at best was the third or fourth option. Whereas Edelman outside of Gronk was probably the number two option. Yeah. So that's the only difference, but that's a great analogy. Or maybe number th- three, depending guy.
1: on the game with James White.
0: Right. True. So, but that's a great analogy by our guy,
1: Ty. All right. Well, I feel bad for Julian Edelman because all the guy wanted to do was announce his retirement. But I feel like it was the wrong time. And I feel like when you're commenting on this subject, it's either you are a prisoner of the moment and you think he is a Hall of Famer or you're just an all-time hater that says he's not. And there's like no in between. But I agree with you. It's a no. And to be honest with you, I don't even blame him. I blame Calvin Johnson because I feel like once Calvin Johnson was the first ballot Hall of Famer, you opened the door for things like this to happen because now everything, there's not like a clear path to what makes you not only a first ballot Hall of Famer, but a Hall of Famer. Like Calvin Johnson never did anything in the playoffs, should should he not be in? But now it's like he was, and julia Edelman did all these great things in the playoffs, and that makes him should be a Hall of Famer. So it's confusing, but I agree with you. No, he should not, and I agree with a lot of what you said. And I want to first, I want to pick apart the one thing that I think is propping him up is he won a Super Bowl MVP, and it was against the Rams, right? correct me if I'm wrong I remember after that game analysts were saying that the reason well first of all the game was terrible but they were saying the reason that he was the MVP of that game was basically McVay's game plan was to just let him catch the ball like they couldn't do anything else it's like let him catch the ball underneath and we'll keep this game close and they did so he sort of just it's like uh when Malcolm Smith won the uh, the MVP for the Seahawks like somebody had to win it it's not like he just had this amazing amazing game and You know, took over, they let him do that with everything underneath. But you know who else has a Super Bowl MVP? Heinz Ward. Is he in? You already said no. And let's just break down. I want to go into his stats a little bit more. Um, You said 620 career receptions, ranked 75th all time. He's just ahead of guys like Jordy Nelson. His 6,822 yards, ranked 156, just ahead of Larry Centers. You know who Larry Centers is? He's a fullback. (laughs) And you talked about his lack of touchdowns, 36, which I think, I mean, you have 36 career touchdowns. I don't even think that's Hall of Fame worthy. But I mean, I think it's somewhere like in the 200s. So, I mean, these stats aren't elite. And I brought up uh, Sterling Sharp before. Yeah, he didn't play the whole career because of injury. But you just look at his seven years with the Packers, five time Pro Bowler. Three times he was a first-team All-Pro. Three times he led the league in receptions. Twice he led it in receiving touchdowns. And once he led it in receiving yards. So he's in the Packers Hall of Fame. But to me, that body of work in seven years sounds much more Hall of Fame-worthy than Julian Edelman. And then I want to go with your boy, Heinz Ward, who I love. One of the toughest guys ever played. He played on two Super Bowl championships. Edelman played on three. Okay, so they're close. Uh, Ward had 1,000 career catches. And was at uh, 380 more than Edelman, and he had 12,000 uh, career receiving yards, which is over 5,000 more than Edelman. And he has 85 touchdown catches, which is almost double what Edelman had. He's not in like more than double, yeah, more than double. Like, how does he get in when you just throw guys in there like this? And I feel like if Edelman gets into the Hall of Fame, I think it'll be kind of disrespectful to the guys that have either earned the gold jackets or have waited a long time like Heinz, Ward and Sterling Sharp to earn the jackets. Like, trust me, I, I like Julian Edelman. He's a good, tough player. Great seventh round story. But you cannot put him in the Hall of Fame with what he's done. And you just can't him playing on the Super Bowl teams can't be the the determinant factor. Like, OK, that just lets him in that 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 can't be enough.
0: Right. If he had all of the stats and he was, you know, a top 50 receiver, top 30 receiver in all those categories, and he has the playoff stats and he has the rings, then oh, I if, would if say, yeah, that no doubt about them, it. Like that, they're going to
1: knock on his door tonight.
0: Right. That puts him over the top. But just because you've got those rings in a Super Bowl MVP doesn't mean you're automatically in the Hall of Fame, especially when your stats. Yes, you are a good player, but your stats and everybody can't
1: be a hall of famer. Then that's exactly. the
0: point. Exactly. Exactly. Cause if not Mike Wallace
1: is in the, is in the hall of fame and yeah, we know he ain't no hall of fame player. Right. So,
0: well, JT let's, let's stick with football in the NFL, but with the NFL draft, now only two weeks away, we got to talk some draft stuff, um, but we're going to change it up this week. Last week we did some top five lists. This week's a little different. So when you think of the best NFL class ever, Uh, In an entire draft, you think of the 1983 draft with all those great quarterbacks and other players. But JT, what I want to know is what team do you think had the single best draft class ever in what year was it?
1: This is such a loaded question because you almost have to pick an older draft because their careers are already over. And there's so many drafts where like there's one or two guys in it that are just really good. And then it's like, oh, well. Who are the other guys in the draft they picked? I'm pretty sure we have the same one. It's the 74 Steelers. I mean, anytime Thank you, you. you can draft four Hall of Famers, it's case closed. Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, Mike Webster. Like that right there. Like who else you going to put up there? <laughs> I didn't know if you were gonna go that route. I didn't know if you I had to credit. It, I tried to make a case for some of the Bears draft classes, and they yeah, had like I one or that. two. I think one one year they had with uh Buckets and Sayers, but Yo, who else was in that draft? Like these right. are four of the best to ever do it. Right. And
0: and the thing with these four, not only are they Hall of Famers, but then they end up winning four Super Bowls in six years. And that's never been done before, not even by the Patriot teams. Um, you know, the Cowboys and Patriots did two and three years, but not four in six years. So Absolutely, I agree that 74 Steeler uh, draft really put them over the top because eventually that was when they won their first Super Bowl that following year. So they had built the groundwork in 69-70 with Joe Green and and then Terry Bradshaw eventually. But I totally uh, agree with
1: you there, JT.
0: It's, it's my 74 Steelers. Case closed. Yeah. Can we move on already?
1: It, w- it was – it was case closed, but there was one more draft where I was tempted to do it, but I felt like it was just, I couldn't put them up there. It was the 85 bills. So they had Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Frank Reich and um Dale Hellister.
0: I, w- I will say this. If, they could have had Jim Kelly in that class instead oh, of eight, it would have been one A, one B. Then, yes, even though at the end, the Steelers are always going to win because they got the four Super Bowls well, and they got four
1: Hall of Famers though. and four Hall of Famers. Yeah, right. right. I mean, personally, if we're just talking about like who made the best picks in the draft, like if we in let's say one or two. 96 Ravens are up there. I mean, they probably drafted two of the best players at the positions with Ogden and Ray Lewis, like you know, maybe ever. I agree. I, I did I did see that. Um, I will
0: say what's impressive: 91 and 92 Dallas Cowboy draft back to back years. Listen,
1: yeah. listen to
0: this back-to-back drafts. No, that did you say Emmett? Uh, Aikman. Aikman. No, that wasn't even Aikman. They had 91-92. 91, Russell, Maryland, Eric Williams, Larry Brown, and Leon Lett. So now you have this, like, great offensive line. And then you turn around in 92 and you draft Kevin Smith, Robert Jones, Jimmy Smith, and Darren Woodson. I mean, those are back-to-back drafts. Those are amazing. I mean, but single draft, got to go 74,
1: Steve. Well, hold on. Will you you talk about that? And then look at the 80 – I'm sorry, Aikman was in 89, right? 89, yep. And they got uh, him, Stepnowski, Daryl Johnston, and then in nine, 1990, they got uh, Emmitt Smith. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, had... if you look at eighty nine to ninety two, damn.
0: Well, that's that's how they ended yeah. up with three Super Bowls in four years.
1: Yeah. All right. right. Yeah. All right. So we, this is probably one of the few times we're going to agree on the Steelers. But let's go. Yeah, to- buddy. Let's go to the NBA. Uh, To me, I thought this news was depressing because I saw it when it happened. But uh, Jamal Murray, the Nuggets, tore his ACL on Monday night and is going to miss the remainder of the season. Um, This is definitely a complicated situation because, you know, ACL injuries are, you know, they take a while to rehab from. But also the Nuggets were looking like a contender this year. So uh, we're going to break down, you know, the whole situation. But I want to start with this. They were legit title contenders this year. Does this take them out of it, or are they still, you know, a, one of those guys that we consider could win a title this year without him?
0: Oh, yeah, they're definitely still legit title contenders. I've got multiple reasons. Let me try to go through them real quick. JT, answer this question. They still got Nikola Jokic.
1: My vote for MVP. Yep.
0: Okay. Right there. That's the main reason why they're still legit title contenders. Two. They still got Michael Porter Jr., right? Yeah. He's been we know how much up. you love him. You know it already. I mean, his scoring has, in, has increased throughout the whole season. And now, JT, he's going to become the second option. So that's not a bad second option to have in the NBA. All right? Now, the other thing is they got some insurance at the trade deadline. Aaron Gordon. He now is going to become that, even though he's not a traditional point guard, but he is a playmaker and he's an assist guy. And I think that's who can fill in a little bit. He doesn't need to do it all. Can fill in a little bit Jamal Murray's shoes and he can get to the bucket. Now he's not a great shooter, but he can get to the bucket and he still plays great defense. Now, the other thing, Monty Morris, he really isn't that bad. He's actually probably going to be their, their uh, point guard. Now he's, actually a pretty good backup. A lot of teams would like to have him, and he doesn't need to be the man because, like I said, you got Jokic, Porter. You've got Gordon, who's going to take some of that point guard responsibility, and they have so much depth. We're forgetting about Will Barton. Will Barton's scoring is going to increase now. All right, so for fantasy basketball people out there, look at Will Barton, but you go to the odds. Their odds were 4% to win the title prior to the injury, and it dropped to 1% after Like 4%, that was it. So, I mean, their odds, yes, have gone down, but they haven't changed dramatically. The Lakers are not as strong, especially while injured. And who knows if they'll be 100%. Denver, in my opinion, can still beat Phoenix. I'm not trusting Phoenix in the playoffs. Mm. And Jamal Murray was never going to guard PG 13 or Kawhi. That's going to be Aaron Gordon's job. That's going to be maybe Porter. That's going to be. Damn sure
1: not Porter's job because we know he can't play defense.
0: (laughs) But just that height. Yeah. But but also maybe Will Barton. So to me, yes, you lose that general a little bit, but they're still going to rally behind Jokic. And and now you've got Aaron Gordon that's going to have to step up. So I'm not saying they're going to win it, but, you know, don't don't just write them off now.
1: I feel like the reason you took so long with that answer is three of your favorite NBA players are all on one team. You love Aaron Gordon. You love Jokic and you love Michael Porter Jr. So really, we could have just did a whole hour show on this topics and you would have been happy so why is my favorite team the magic if these guys are are on denver switch well (laughs) first of all your favorite team shouldn't be the magic anyway which means you you exhibit uh disturbing behavior as individuals so nobody should like that much pain misery to be a magic fan but i'm gonna say i disagree with you and the fact that you said vegas dropped them from four percent to one percent as odds to win the title right
0: know if that was vegas those are just the odds by the percentage. Odds. Well, it's probably some computer vegas. <laughs> it's probably some computer that's not as smart as us in sports jt
1: yeah well you said the computer's smart you know what that means at four percent we didn't think they could win but we can get some idiots to bet on them believe the hype one percent means look man just don't put your money save your money spend it on something else and i agree no and it's simple because you need two to three stars or play of co- playoff caliber producers to win a title that's just the way the nba is right now that's why people like the nets and the lakers and the clippers are favorites to win it because they got those superstars and they got a bunch of them without jamal murray be honest with you at most they have two and a half porter uh i like him but you know this if he can't play defense they're going to have to hide him and put him on the bench And, you know, can you you need that in the playoffs? Like I need can I trust Michael Porter Jr. to play 40 minutes in the playoffs and not cost us the game on defense? I can't say that. And Gordon, I love him, but he's only going to go as far as Jokic takes him. So what that means is everything's on the MVP. They're not as deep as they were last year, and they're missing some pieces, mainly guys like Jeremy Grant, who we love in Detroit. And if this happened last year, I would say, yeah, they still have a shot, but it's just not the same this year.
0: Answer this. Who were the three stars on Toronto's championship team? Kawhi,
1: Kawhi. Exactly. Exactly. It was Kawhi. No, but they were deep. They were deep. They had uh they had Lowry, they yeah, had but you, Siakam, we're not talking. they had Van Vliet, they I'm had not, a squad. And they had uh, they had Ibaka, stars. they had a deep squad and they had good, really good players. It's, it, that's this Toronto, exactly. this Toronto team is more talented than the Denver Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Ooh, for sure. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I don't know about that. Kawhi's the difference maker but he is but that team was loaded though when you look at it in retrospect this this
0: team's loaded too
1: not like that team this is that's my opinion they Toronto didn't have the score like Will Barton coming off the bench (laughs) you really put Will Barton in the same level as Van Vliet Siakam and Kyle Lowry
0: again Lowry Siakam were starters I'm saying, who did they have come off the bench that can just start filling buckets like Barden? Just
1: shoot, just they shoot had four it. guys that could do it as starters. They didn't need nobody else. They yeah, had you, Boucher. You can't name There him. you go. He wasn't there. <laughs> they had Boucher. He was there. Next question. But um, all seriousness, let's talk about Jamal Murray because I saw, I saw it when it happened. Terrible injury. Uh, he was in a lot of pain. He just feel bad, especially any athlete to suffer ACL injury. How do you think this will impact his career moving forward? I don't think it'll uh,
0: impact him at all. Like, I don't think this is career altering because he's only 24 and JT he's been becoming a great shooter this season shoots 48% from the field, which is actually pretty good for a, for a point guard 41% from beyond the arc and 87% at the free throw line. So you can't even foul him late because he's going to hit both at the line. Like shooting to me doesn't go away. We saw this with KD. The dude was off for, felt like for two years, he comes back and is just, he's shooting up a storm. So he is signed through the 24-25 season already. So he has a couple years to recover, to get back into it and to get another big contract. Now, I know what people are going to say and the concern is, well, look
1: at Derrick Rose, right? Like, he never really recovered. Yeah, but his game was based so much on leaping and A- cutting and, you know, jetting to the basket. And plus, Thank you, you. watch Derrick Rose Thank play in his prime, man. The way he would just, like, like, power hop and jump around recklessly. Jump Yep. He just,
0: yep, they he just always stops.
1: felt like, man, like, it could just be one time where it just goes wrong for him. And it did twice. Yep,
0: yep. And and that exactly what I was going to say was – Jamal Murray's game is different. Like, he's becoming that shooter. He's not like Luka.
1: It's not really based on speed.
0: Right. It's not about – that's exactly what I've written down. Like, it's not all about the speed. It's not all about just getting around the guy. And Denver has help for him. I think that was the thing. Derrick Rose didn't have the help when he came back where he could have eased into it.
1: He was the the franchise every night. It was either he's playing and we have a chance to win or he doesn't and there's no shot.
0: Yep. And like you said, Denver has potentially the MVP, Jokic, and he's going to be there and you've got Porter so I think Jamal Murray's all right
1: um I'm legit I don't know and the reason is it's not so much the injury it's one when it happened sees the regular season is basically almost over and he was already kind of having injury issues this year whether it's the shortened season or you know he just ran into bad luck but he already had a knee injury before this happened but I look at it realistically He's not going to be the same until 2023 at the earliest, Like He's going to miss most of next year. And remember, we talked about this before when Clay Thompson got hurt. um, Dr. Alan Bayer, orthopedic surgeon, said basketball players should wait two years after ACL injury just because of the natural movement of the game. And when I think about that, I just I don't know, because I feel like there is a broad uh, range of outcomes for him. Yes, he could come back like Kevin Durant because like speed wasn't really KD's game. It was more of shooting and getting the matchups and stuff like that. But realistically, we could be looking at a situation like John Wall, where we just don't see him play for two years. And then you look up and it's just like, damn, like that used to be Jamal Murray. So I honestly don't know. I hope it doesn't impact. But I mean, ACL is a serious injury with or without how his game depends on speed.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you never can tell with an injury, especially like this. But John Wall then ended up tearing his Achilles, Achilles while he was recovering from the knee. So you can't always compare these things. But you know Same but you thing thing how that Clay. goes
1: once one thing goes, like you overcompensate if you try to come back too soon. And like I just don't want him to rush back because it kind of fits into our next question, because this is why I feel like he probably will rush back. Because with Denver, it's all about their title window. Does his injury close it?
0: No, no, again, he's not a free agent until the end of 24-25 season, so they have time to ease him back. He's only in the first year of a 5-year deal, JT. Jokic signed through 22-23, so they got at least two more years with him. Michael Porter now, he signed through only only through next season. But if if I'm correct here, he's got full bird rights, so they can go over the cap to re-sign him and no other team can give him a max contract yet because he hasn't been in the league long enough and you've got Aaron Gordon signed through next season 21-22 and they can decide on what they want to do with him or go get another piece or through the draft all those guys I mentioned they're all either 26 they're all 26 and under and they should keep getting better so is the window closed again absolutely not
1: I disagree. I think it does, because one, I think if they were going to make it to a title, this was the year just because we keep talking about Jokic and how I think you agree he's MVP, too, right? Uh, we'll, We'll discuss that on later show. Well, I think he is. But if just in general, he's basically having a Charles Barkley like 92, 93 type of year where like he's playing well enough to take the team around him, at least to the NBA finals. It was either going to be this year or next year, which we already talked about previously. Like, I don't see Jamal Murray making an impact. Definitely not in this season. I don't think he's going to make an impact next season. So to me, if he's not helping us the next two years, yeah, the window's closed. And then you look at the West, Utah, Lakers, Phoenix, who I know you don't think they're serious, but they're a really good team. And, you know, you can throw the Clippers in there. The Trailblazers are going to get better. Having those teams that you have to go against yeah i think it's cl- making it close even faster
0: see but i think that's where we disagree is you're just presuming that they won't get any better whether it's through free agency through trades through the draft or what i'm saying is bro you know how many teams they would do anything to have Jokic and porter as their their two to yeah, build but- around with waiting for murray or going to get someone else look they were able to go get aaron gordon
1: yeah but i mean aaron gordon is exactly like a third wheel you saying like all right we put aaron gordon up on the banner we have serious title odds now that's not how it works honestly i feel like this will this will help sway me do you think you don't we know jamal murr is not playing for the rest of the season he's going to miss at least half of next year do you think they can bring in somebody that is on his level to play while he's out if if the answer to that question is no Then, yes, their title window is closed.
0: See, but again, I I disagree with that because, again, these guys are all 26 and under. You're presuming, oh, going
1: with the the fantasy draft strategy. You're all 26 and under.
0: (laughs) Yep. You're presuming that Jamal Murray never plays another game of his career at this level. And and I disagree with
1: it. And I disagree. If I'm putting money in Vegas, I'm going to say the title window is closed.
0: But what does that mean? Like, do they win a title? I'm not saying they're going to win a title. What I'm saying is that window's still there. Don't write them off. Mm,
1: Don't put those see. other
0: teams automatically in front of
1: them. I have to see how he bounces back.
0: Well, that's, but that's what we're debating. Of I course, just think that's it's, I the just think easy it's answer. Because
1: this, it was, this was a bad, it, to me, this has, it's 50 50. It's 50 50 his injury, the timing of it, but it's also Jokic. Like, he's going to regress. Like, you only have seasons like this, like once or twice in your career, like but unless you're Michael Jordan. Like, if he stays in shape, just if he stays well, in well shape.
0: again, he's well, got to do his part. Shape, he's got to do his part now.
1: Do you trust Jokic to stay in shape the way he's been this season for the for the next three years? I don't because See, he's but, shown that this is the first season he's actually showed up in shape. He doesn't need to be in shape like LeBron and Giannis, right? No, he needs to be in shape like he is right now, which is why he's playing that and way. He
0: can do that for the next three to four years because he's still in his twenties. That yeah. metabolism is still. He was fast. in his twenties
1: the past couple of years, and he hasn't done that. But we'll see.
0: Well, now he now he knows the difference. All right, so let's stick with the NBA this week. Uh, Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban both spoke out against the NBA playing games for the 7th and 8th seeds. If you're not sure or you haven't heard about it, this is how it works. The 7th and 8th seeds will play each other at the end of the regular season, one game. The winner becomes the 7th seed. The loser goes on to play the winner of the ninth and 10th seed to determine the 8th seed. So it's possible a team that ends up in the 7th seed loses both of those games, loses to the eighth seed, loses to the winner of nine and 10, and they're out, JT. They're going home for the year. Now,
1: are the play-in games that we just discussed, are they good for the league? Depends on who you ask. So if you're asking me as a fan, absolutely, because you get, finally you can get a March Madness vibe, also like the Phoenix Suns and the bubble last year vibe. Absolutely. Where a like a playoff team that's on the bubble gets control of their own destiny if they can win a couple games. So for us, yeah, this is crazy because like if your team's sitting out there, like they could just knock off somebody any given night and their whole season outcome could change. But for the teams, no, because you're basically creating many conference tournaments and you know how those go in college basketball. Like if you're the seventh seed, you're basically saying the regular season doesn't matter because only the conference tournaments matter. So like, A team could be what the the 10 seed go through the mini conference tournament win that and all of a sudden now they're in the tournament in the playoffs like the regular season didn't matter. So I see why the players and the owners are upset about this because this could royally screw somebody over. But as a fan, I do want to see it because it just means more exciting basketball.
0: Well, first, Mark Cuban, JT, this is the, the irony behind it. He is on the NBA board of governors. Which approved? They approved this, right? <laughs> the, yes, they're the ones that approved these plays. He looked at
1: my. He looked at his team. He's like, "Wait a minute, this is bad." <laughs> <laughs> so they approved it prior
0: to the season. So he only has himself to blame, and he admitted it. He admitted it. He was like, "I know I approved it. Looking back at it, this is a terrible decision. This is a terrible idea."
1: Yeah, now, because the the seven seed is in the worst position, they yeah, have. Every, do you do you know how many through. games on average is? That the ten seed will be back from the number seven.
0: Oh, it's at least a good five or six games that's minimum. That's a lot of games. It like, is. It if is. If
1: you have a five to six game difference on somebody, like you, that's not even playoff like consideration.
0: You would need to basically go undefeated for two straight two straight weeks while the other team loses two straight weeks of
1: games. And also, to Mark Cuban, I'm sorry, but this is your fault. How could you look at what the Phoenix Suns did in the bubble last year and think this was a good idea to have?
0: Now, but this is the thing, JT. Me personally, I don't like this because I don't think a season should come down to the one game. You don't want
1: the Orlando Magic to be sitting at eight, and <laughs> they pull they pull a Magic move, and they all <laughs> of a sudden fall to number ten.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's true though. I don't think it should come. I don't think a season should come down to one game after 82, or in this case, 72 games in order to make the playoffs, unless it's a tiebreaker. I understand that game seven is a one and done, but that's because you played six other games, right here. You shouldn't have to play to one. Now with that said though, JT, getting back to the question, is it good for the league? I think it is JT. Are you going to watch that, that seventh and eighth seed game? Yes, yes you are. Are you going to watch the ninth and 10th seed game?
1: Yeah, I'm going to yep. watch all of them. You're going to watch all, all of them, for right? the fan, this is good. No,
0: no, no, no. The question is for the league, and I'm answering that question. I agree with you as a fan, of course, but as a league, you're saying no, and I'm saying yes, and this is why. You're watching it, right? I'm watching it. Every NBA fan's watching it. Those are extra games. Guess what? All those games are going to be prime time on television. What does that mean, JT, Revenue. for the league? Revenue, they can jack it up just the way the NFL did with those Thursday night games. Now, that means more TV revenue, more in arena Higher revenue. Cap. Except, there you go. Higher salary cap. Who makes more money? Because it's a percentage. Some goes to the owners. Some goes to the players. Salary cap goes up. Because of that, players make more money. And this is the other thing. You keep more teams alive. The 11th and 12th place team. You said it. They could be 8 games behind the 7th seed but guess what? They're only 1 game behind the 10th seed.
1: That's all you need.
0: And that's all you need. And so fans like me, Orlando Magic, I'm more interested now in the final part it prevents tanking. Yes,
1: I was just going to I was just going to say that it keeps those right teams right out of the lottery position from basically mailing it in to get as many opportunities to get those ping pong balls as possible. Yep,
0: because you look at the Orlando Magic JT they still may have done it, but maybe they don't trade Vucevic and Aaron Gordon at the deadline because they still had a real realistic shot at All the have 10th. To do is seed. shoot for 10th. Exactly. Now, granted, that means you got to win two games out of two, you know, you got to go two for two.
1: But anything and, can happen if you're just starting from scratch.
0: Right. And then you become the eighth seed, not saying you're going to beat the one seed, but listen, you're in the playoffs. You get one more free agent because of that next year, you're a much better team. So, For the league, JT, I think it actually is good, and I bet
1: you that's why Cuban and those guys. Oh, yeah, more money. If Mark Cuban voted for it, it's all about how to make more money. Yep, absolutely. So, JT, before
0: we go, I do want to do a surprise, JT, everyone's favorite segment except JT. Now, the thing is, I don't know if you've heard about this. I'm sure you have, even though Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves claims he's never heard of Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player. But anyway, Glenn Taylor and the Timber, Timberwolves are potentially up for sale, um, possibly being bought by Alex Rodriguez Alex Rodriguez and his business partner. Now, Glenn Taylor saved basketball in Minnesota, JT, in 1994 when he purchased the team um, and did not move them. So this is my question for you because we know the history with the Timberwolves, right? Like, yes, yep. they, they got to stay in Minnesota, but it's almost as if they didn't have a legit team, okay? Would you rather have a team saved in your city, like the Timberwolves or like the Marlins did back in the late early 90s, early 2000s, in ownership being incompetent, or would you just prefer they leave the city if they're never going to be a legit playoff, even contender?
1: Oh, yeah, I want the team to stay because I still want to go to the games because they play other teams that might be good. <laughs> so at least I get to see you know, sub talent on the field or on the court. People always talk about, you know, how much their team sucks, but you know, it sucks not having one in your city. So, and I got to love the one you're with.
0: Exactly. And I agree. I would never want any of my teams to leave, but think about this. Cleveland Browns got a team back. Charlotte got a team back. So if you're one of those cities that doesn't have quite that great owner, but the league recognizes, Hey, and maybe this happens in Seattle. The league recognizes, Hey, that is a city we have to have a team in, right? The NFL knew they had to have a team in Cleveland. Cleveland ended up getting a new stadium because Modell left, got new ownership, which hasn't worked out. But the thing is, you could maybe get lucky and end up with a better owner and then a new arena or stadium. So yeah. that would be the only thing. But I agree, you never want your team.
1: Ask the people to in lead. St. Louis do they miss the Rams? I guarantee they'll tell you yes.
0: Yep. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right, JT, well, great episode as always. And thank you to the fans for listening. We couldn't do it without you. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, please leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do leave us a five-star review. We can also be found on social media, our handle JT and the Dawn. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.